Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Well, I guess the radicals come on Monday night. Amen. That's right. Uh, thank you. This has been a good couple days, hasn't it? And um, I'm encouraged that some of you have been encouraged, and uh, and in my preparation time uh, this afternoon and this morning, I I uh, really felt like this is the way I wanted to leave you uh, with this word that I'm going to bring tonight. If you can hear it and let it settle on the inside of you, I think that it'll bring some stability into your situation, into your Christianity. How many of you know that uh, a lack of stability translates into a lack of ability in you carrying out uh, efficiency in your Christ following? So when you're in your, you know, when when you can't, when you're not able to control your temper, it's because you're not stable on the inside, so you're not able to control your emotions from getting behind the wheel of your life. When you uh, are not stable, then you're not able to believe. You want to believe, but you're just not able to believe because you're not stable, because you're like, uh, you know, you're like a ship that, that the wind is blowing all over the place. And so stability produces ability. I know that whenever I had instability in the way I was in my relationship to myself, it translated into a lack of an ab- of ability to be a good husband to Daniil, my wife. And uh, when there were uh, things in my life that uh, I wasn't able to manage and be at rest and at peace concerning then it translated into my life not working. So I had a uh, promise to go to heaven, but I was uh, going to hell on my way to heaven. Amen? So how many of you know that sometimes we go through hell to get to heaven and that's not necessary? Jesus didn't say pray that it's on earth as it is in hell. He said pray that it's on earth as it is in heaven. So it's, it's vital that we understand that heaven is a place of stability. That's why heaven is able to do things in, uh, heaven is able to accomplish things. So there, there isn't anything going on in heaven that they're like, well, we tried it and it didn't happen. Uh, whatever God wants to happen in heaven happens because heaven is an environment that's stable. So whenever you have an inability to be stable, the reason why you are not stable is because you're not at rest. So when you're not at rest in your life, then you have a lack of stability. And the reason why we are not at rest in our life, the Bible says, is because we have acquiesced to unbelief. So unbelief causes a lack of rest. A lack of rest causes a lack of stability. A lack of stability creates a lack of ability, and then you just end up hating your life. And so whatever's going on in your life that you don't like, if it's stabilized, 
and got peace and rest injected into it, then you would be able to like it more. Somebody say amen. And so, so the reason why we don't like our kids, the reason why our kids don't like us, you know, how many of you know kids don't like unstable parents? My parents were unstable. I never knew what version of my dad was going to pull up after work. So we'd always just see how he was doing. Okay, how's he walking in the house? Because he's walking in the house all mad. We went in our back, we went into the bedrooms in the back of the house because we didn't want to know what was going to happen. Because within three minutes, him and my mom would be fighting. And how many of you know the kids are not, are not at peace and at rest when there's instability in the parents? Right? And then how many of you know that the parents aren't at rest when there's instability in the doggone kids? You want to mess up somebody's house? Just put a teenager at the dinner table. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and when you, I don't know about you, but uh, teenagers have an anointing. I think that's what it's called. An annoying anointing sometimes. <laughs> but, but teenagers, listen to this, man. Teenagers are anointed by God to gather. That's their anointing. They can gather. Have you ever seen, I don't know, maybe, maybe you guys are old like me, but I remember back in the day, all we needed to get was like a flyer with a kegger at, at Marty's house. You know, there's a keg at Marty's house. Here's a flyer that somebody made with crayons. Okay, then you go to Marty's house on Friday and there's 700 people trying to get in to get a glass of beer and to look at the girls and to look at the guys. Amen, somebody? Why? It's their anointing. If, you, if we could harness young people and use their anointing to gather their friends. Because how many of you know that teenagers care more about their friends than at any other time in their life? The older we get, the less we care about our friends. <laughs> you laughing, but it's true. Now, because you care, when you're a teenager, you ain't thinking about the light bill. You ain't thinking about their name, there's no baby formula. You're not thinking about, you're not thinking about, I, I got, I got uh, laid off. You're not thinking about the economy. You're not thinking about the White House. When you're a teenager, you're not thinking about anything except your friends. And so the older you get, the less you care because your focus has gone to your family, not to your friends. But when you're a teenager, you care more about your friends. I remember when I was a youth pastor and young people would cry over their friends that weren't saved because they were going to hell and they're going to have to spend eternity without their friends. And we would spend every New Year's Eve praying and asking God to save our lost friends, and then we'd spend the next year trying to have eyes to evangelize and bring those people. You try to do that with adults. We don't even care if our kids are saved. Come on, somebody. We're just so busy trying to stay on top of it. So this is why we've got to understand that, that uh, it's vital that we create stable environments because stability creates ability. What if you have, a, have instability in the church? What if the pastor doesn't know where he's going and you're following him? And, and you're just going in circles. What if people don't know how to love right? What if we have all kinds of the, what if we have the issues that are in the world in the church? 
then there isn't stability in the church. And then when there's no stability in the church, the church doesn't have the ability to bring stability to a world that's lost its compass. Come, somebody say amen to the preacher tonight. So, so tonight I want to talk to you about how to get stable so you can get able. And it all begins with a faith that causes you to rest. To rest. And I'm not talking about with the help of prescription drugs. Come on, somebody. Or you got your medical marijuana card. Yeah, I'm at rest, Pastor. Hey, hey. I don't even care if I'm not at rest. I just love everybody, even Doritos. Okay, come on, somebody. So let me read uh, to you what I wrote for you tonight. I wrote this. I'm very committed uh, in my ministry and in my preaching and in my communicating God's heart to God's wonderful people uh, and communicating uh, when I talk to you that, that I'm committed to revealing revelation to you that when you apply what I'm saying, your life will improve. Um, the last thing that I want is for what I say and you apply what I say and your life gets worse. So nobody wants to come to church to get worse. Amen? I'm not coming to church to get worse. I'm coming to church to get better. I mean, I had some preacher tell me one time, you know, Jesus can change your life. I'm like, well, which way does he change it? Like, God wants to change your life. Does he want to change it for the better or for worse? Because sometimes we change for the worst. But... I believe that when we get this thing handled and we get some things settled, our life will improve. It changes for the better. So here, here it is. In life, we're always waiting for something, aren't we? We're waiting for a new job. We're waiting for the dream to come true. We're waiting for the vision to come to pass. We're waiting for the promise to manifest. We're waiting to... Uh, yeah, we're waiting for mating, I guess. Yeah, we're, we're waiting for the right person. We're, we're, waiting, we're waiting for the problem to turn around. And then when it's not happening as fast as we, as we would like, it's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to have questions flood our minds. And, and now we're uh, attempting to figure out what the holdup is. And I have an announcement that, the, that, the, uh, that God's kingdom is not the magic kingdom. We don't have Tinkerbell running around with a wand and fairy dust and boom, all of a sudden the pumpkin turns into a carriage and a slave girl turns into a princess. Come on, somebody, it just doesn't happen that way. So, so the reality is when things aren't happening as fast as we think they should be happening, we automatically start investigating to find out what the holdup is. And then when we can't figure out what the holdup is, then we get entangled in self-absorption trying to figure out what I can do to give myself what only God can provide. Y'all all right? So this is what happens. We Like, when am I going to get my breakthrough? When is my church going to grow? When is my money going to come? When is my husband going to show up? And then you, you find your husband, and then you're with him for a, a month, and you're like, I need to believe God for another one, because 
this guy, I need to upgrade right now. And then some of us that have been married for, uh, you know, to a 40-year-old, we want to trade her in on two 20-year-olds. What does a 40-year-old have to talk to a 20-year-old about? I mean, seriously. I mean, I ain't mad at nobody. But have you talked to a 20-year-old lately? They want to describe their new tattoo and their navel piercing, and you're like afraid, very, very afraid. You know, there isn't anything, and plus, we as older guys aren't wired for 220. We'll have a meltdown. You can't trade your 40-year-old wife on two 20-year-old girls because, anyway, you know what I'm saying. So, so, but, so we have got to stop trying to take matters into our own hands. And the reason why we take matters into our own hands is because we think it's in our hands that the holdup is taking place, but maybe, just maybe, we need to trust God with the timing. And we're never going to be stable and we're never going to be at rest until we take the responsibility of the timing out of our hands and put it back in his hands. David said in Psalm 31 that my times are in his hands. His times are not in my hands. And you know what frustration is? Frustration is you being uncoordinated with the timing of God. And this is how frustration shows up. Frustration shows up like this. I think I ought to be doing something different at this time in my life than what I'm actually doing. So I am frustrated. Then how many of you know that frustration then leads to an internal narrative that says what I'm actually looking for is outside of my current arrangement and situation? And then when we take matters into our own hands, have you ever noticed that the choices that we make when we take matters into our own hands are always outside of God's will for our life? And the, and the decisions outside of God's will for our life always promise us what only God can provide for us, but we're so wrapped up in us feeling and experiencing life a certain way that we've taken God's responsibility and made it ours, and we take our responsibility and make it God's. God's responsibility is the timing. Our responsibility is to trust him. And now what we're telling God is you trust me with the timing. And God's in heaven going, what? You got this backwards, baby. You trust me. I don't trust you. The Bible doesn't say trust in man with all of your heart. The Bible says trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Let me just talk, let me just talk to you about relationships for a minute. Let's just go sidebar for a minute. You guys all right? So I'm doing this, uh, it wasn't a good idea, but I was on this, uh, they invited me to be on this marriage panel. Wrong, wrong decision. So I'm up on this panel and there's all these preachers in this room. And they want to talk to guys that have successful ministries that have, been in, that have been married a long time and how they do the balance, the balancing act. And so I've been married 42 years to the same person. Some people have been married 42 years, but it's like the third or fifth or something. Like, I've been married 42 years too, four wives. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, so I'm on this platform and I'm just sitting there, and I don't even know why I said yes to this, and I really think that they made a mistake by even asking me. 
Because I'm not like a big marriage guy. Like I'm married and I'm, I like being married, but I couldn't write a book on marriage. Except maybe what not to do. Uh, but anyway. So the guy says, Pastor Steve, what is the key? What is the secret? Give us one thing that contributes to the success of you and Daniil, 42 years, a thriving ministry, an impeccable reputation, and, and no scandals. You're, the, you're one of the only guys right now that you can pull up on the internet, and there's not a bunch of junk going on around your name. What's the secret? And I said this, which will shock no one. I said, I don't trust my wife. All the preachers are like, what? And one guy raises his hand, some young guy like, like Adrian or somebody like that. Ooh, 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 ooh. He's been shaving for like four days. Ooh, 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 ooh. I thought marriage was built on trust. I said it is. Just not trust in my wife. Or her trusting me. Listen to me. The Bible says. Listen. The Bible says in. What is it? Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? And lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him. And he'll straighten it out. What do we try? What do we do? We treat people like God. And we treat God like people. If all of my heart's trust is in God, then none of it is left over for y'all. I can't get no amens from no Michigan people. Every time somebody gets their heart hurt, it, it usually begins like this. I trusted you. How could you? I trusted you. Wrong answer. We are not made by God to be trustworthy. We're made by God to be loved. The Bible doesn't say, husbands, trust your wives as Christ trusts the church. It says, husbands, love your wives. So what ends up happening is we trust people and love God instead of trust God and love people. And so Daniil can act like a female because that's what she is which sometimes produces more questions than answers. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you just have to go hold the basket while she dumps all of her perspective, and then you're like, are you done? Oh, hold on, I got more. And you're like holding it. And then when she turns around, you go like that, and then you're like, okay, I'm right here for you. I don't put my trust in my wife. I can love her because I trust him. So it doesn't matter what her performance is doing right now. It only matters that I trust him. And because I trust him, I can love her and my love can overlook whatever she's showing me that I don't like. How many of you know that if you run your life through the filters of your personal preferences, you might as well quit living now? Have you ever noticed that God very rarely ever asks you about what you prefer? When he goes to make a decision about your life. He didn't go, now mama, what would you like? 
uh, curtain number one, number two, or number three. He just said, this is how it's going to be. Jesus is in the garden. He said, this is what I want. I want this cup to pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So we have to understand that our personal preferences are hindrances to God's will for our life, which is our key to rest and happiness and stability, which produces ability. You guys all right? We're thinking in church tonight. I don't know what's been happening the last few times uh, that I've been here, but tonight we're thinking. So listen, stop trusting people and you'll stop getting hurt. If you stop trusting people, you'll stop getting hurt. I'm so hurt. I know you are because you're waiting for people to stop acting like people. You're waiting for men to stop acting like men. You're waiting for women to stop acting like women. Last time I checked, even if you identify however you identify, there's just men and women, okay? I'm, I'm sorry, I don't care how you identify. Men can't get pregnant, and I don't know why you'd want to <laughs> as a man. How many kids you got? You, how, many, how many came out of you? Two. Was it fun? Was it great? Was it a blast? It was awful. Amen to that. Let me tell you what I did when my wife was having our kids. I went and got an omelet. I'm like, hey, let me know when everything turns out. Praise the Lord. I don't know why anyone would want to do that. Okay, it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, so let me get back to this. So please trust God with all of your heart and love people with all of your heart. Don't love God with all of your heart. The Bible says that, you know, well, Jesus said, well, this is the commandment, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul. But what that actually, what he's actually saying is you can't do that. Do you actually think you can love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Really? Who are you? The only way you can love God that way is through Jesus. In this is love. Not that he loves us. Not that we love him, but he loves us. So loving God is a reflex reaction to receiving that he loves you first. We love him because he first loved us. None of our Christianity has anything to do with us. It has everything to do with him. Okay, so let me me keep going. That's That's another sermon for the next time I come and hang out. So let's stop trying to figure out what the holdup is. And let's downshift into trusting God. Now, let me say this. And we've got to realize this in order to avoid what I call a crisis of faith. And abandoning our post. There's a big difference between us being in a crisis and us being in a crisis of faith. I've had many crises in my life. Some of them have actually happened. But, uh, but, but, But here's the deal. A crisis in my life is different than a crisis in my faith. How do you know you're having a crisis of faith? It's when you abandon your post. I've had crises in my relationship with my wife. I just never left her. I've had crises in my connection with my kid. I just never stopped being the dad. 
I've had crises in my church. I just never stopped being the pastor. I've had crises in my relationships with people, but I continue to be a friend. Okay, so you can have a crisis, but when you have a crisis of faith, that's when you get messed up. That's when you get off the wall. That's when you get off the plow. That's when you abandon your post. When you abandon your post, you're, you're in trouble. God stops working in your life. The only thing he's going to work on is getting you back to where you left so you could, because you're not going to move forward until you go back to where you left. Okay, so let me keep going. So, <laughs> so go ahead and have a crisis, but don't stop trusting God. Don't stop believing. Don't abandon your post. The moment, now listen, this is big. Attach your faith to this. Trust God with the timing. Trust God with the timing. Everybody say, trust God with the timing. Why? You don't, have to, you don't have to repeat after me on this, but timing is everything. Timing is everything. I, I remember when I was crying out to God concerning this one situation. I was in Seattle, and I felt like I had to get out of that place. I felt like God sent me there, and then I felt like God said, okay. Uh, and when I got there, I didn't like living there. It's a Southern California boy. I'm in Seattle. It rained 111 days in a row. The battery on my Harley went dead. I go to start it, nothing happens. Why? It's raining outside. I can't ever get a, a clean windshield. because. And every time I'm driving, some rock truck hits the windshield. Chip. Okay, the only place there's not a Starbucks in Seattle is inside of another Starbucks. Come on, somebody. I hated it there. I was there for eight months. I was ready to hang myself. I'm like, Why did, what did I do? How come I did this? And I'm crying out to God, we got to get out of this place. If it's the last thing we ever do, we got to get out of this place. Girl, it's a better life for me and you. Boom, boom. I'm like, let's get out of here. Let's get our kids and sneak out at night and no one knows we left. Let's get out of here. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, you are ready. But what I prepared for you has not been made ready for you yet. And if you leave early, you won't step into the rhythm of your destiny the way I've got it mapped out. And you'll get ahead of the thing. So just chill and thrill until. Trust me with the timing. I remember in second grade, uh, yeah, they had second grade when I was growing up. And we had, to, we had these little, uh, we had these little ch chickens that were laying eggs. Did you do that when you were in kid? Like, if you put them in these little incubators with, like, um, light bulbs and all these chickies. And then, and then we, you know, we figured out whose was who. And so when the chicks started, like, chipping away at the egg to come out of the thing, well, this one little girl in our second grade class, decides she's going to help the chick get out of the egg. So she goes in there, and she starts pulling the egg and lets the chick out, and her chick got born first because the rest of our chicks were struggling to get out of their egg, and she delivered the chick from the struggle, and two days later, her chick was dead. Our chick was alive because there's a valve in the heart of the chick that the struggle develops so they can live. And she delivered the chick from the struggle, and the chick died. 
And she's devastated because she killed it because she th- even though she thought she was helping. And that's what we do. We try to get ahead of God, and then we kill ourselves. Then we got to go back around the mountain, <laughs> learn the lesson. We got to go through eighth grade again. Like, all I did was cheat on the final. Now I have to take the whole year over again? So we got to learn to trust. You guys okay? This is why I want to leave you with this. Because this is going to change your life for the better. This applies to everybody. And don't ask me how I discovered this, because I personally have never gone through anything like this. I just have heard that other people have, and that's why I'm telling you about it. So, (laughs) get this now. Attach your faith to this. The moment you prayed and asked God for whatever you asked him for, the moment you prayed, you prayed about your marriage, you prayed about your money, you prayed about your kids, you prayed about your health, you prayed about your destiny, you prayed about your job, you prayed about your future relationship, your spouse, you prayed about, I'm going to find somebody. You prayed, you prayed, the moment you prayed by faith, God got involved. Now listen to me. God himself as soon as you as his child prayed, set an appointed time, wrote it on the calendar of heaven to bring that promise to pass. As soon as you prayed it, it got the answer got scheduled, except God didn't tell you when the date was. Now listen to me. God himself established a set time. I'm going to show you biblically what I'm talking about. He set that time for you. To meet the right person. The set time for the problem to turn around. A set time for your healing to manifest. The set time for your promotion. Your new job. Your breakthrough. Whatever it is that you needed. When we understand that there has now been a set time established. It takes all the pressure off. It takes all the pressure off so we stop living worried, wondering, when's it going to happen? We can relax and enjoy the journey with Jesus because your promise has already been scheduled by the creator of the universe and it, he, that he just happens to be your heavenly father. Stop worrying if it's going to happen and trust that he's got it on the calendar. Amen? Stay thankful, man. Some of us have been praying about a situation for a long time. And when we don't see anything happen, it's easy to become discouraged. But listen, if God was to pull back the curtain and to allow us to see our future, our emotions would change. If he pulled it back, he saw it. And he showed you, this is the date that it's going to happen. This is what's going to look like. Your emotions would change. Oh, I just have to wait a little bit longer, but he showed me it was going to happen. See, we would go from discouraged to excited. But this is where faith comes in, y'all. You need to see what you can't see. Oh, this is where our faith goes to work. God's promises and God promise, he's a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. So God promises that there are set times in our future, but he doesn't tell us when they will be. Now, let me just say this about that. 
What do we do in between the time we prayed it, believed it, and received it, and the time we have it? Right there is you stay thankful. Thanksgiving is the place of spiritual immunity to demonic activity. The devil, the devil and God's peace cannot operate simultaneously. You cannot be thankful and critical simultaneously. You can't be thankful and full of faith and critical and discouraged at the same time. So in between the time when you pray it, believe it, and receive it, and the time that you have it, that's where you speak the language of faith. The language of faith is giving God praise as if he'd already done it because he has already done it. It just hasn't manifest yet because it's not time yet. Doesn't the Bible say that he will make everything beautiful, everything beautiful, everything, everything beautiful, beautiful in his time? If it ain't beautiful, it ain't time yet. You're like, it's ugly up in here. This situation is uglified. Just wait. He'll beautify what is ugly at the right time. You just stay thankful. Stop trying to push God to do it when you prefer him to do it. Or you're going to kill the baby chicken. If he does it too quick... You won't be the version of yourself that you need to be to appreciate what God has done and you'll drop the baton because your character won't be enough to carry your blessing. Guys, all right? You're like, when, Lord? How long? How long? Oh, Lord. As long as he wants. Operative word in that that sentence is, oh, Lord. He's the Lord, you're not. Trust him with the timing. <sighs> you know what I'm learning, I don't have it all the way down yet, but I'm trying, is that we got to make the Holy Spirit the filter from which we appraise life and incoming data. We've got to allow our faith in God to give us a new perspective. And the new perspective is that God has a set time for you. It's already in your future. We've got to guard our hearts and our minds from the negativity that's attempting to talk us out of our trust in God and our trust in his timing for our lives. His timing, his timing is what is best for us. Our timing is not what's best for him. Don't you dare push back on this. If you push back on this, You think your life is going to have, will will have some relief, but it's going to be full of regret. This is unbearable. No, 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 no. Bible says he'll provide a way of escape so you can endure it. You'll look back and go, I thank God. Oh, I thank God that I didn't cut out. So many people have so many regrets because they stepped out right before they broke the tape at the end of their race. And then you don't figure it out till later and you're like, 
I'm, I was two steps away. I didn't trust God with the timing. I thought I knew best. And now look at my life. I don't want to spend one day of my life chasing the caboose of my destiny. Amen? Yeah. Going, wait a minute. And somebody else is living what God called me to do, waving. This is great life, Hage. Thanks for screwing it up so I could live it up. I don't know how that translates in Spanish, but figure it out. Okay. <laughs> Let's believe for the best. Let's believe for the rest. Let's believe for the blessed, not the stressed. Amen? So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, if I have somebody to help me with that, uh, it says, for we who believed, everybody say believe. believe. It says, for we who have believed enter into his rest. Now we who have believed enter into his rest. How do you enter into his rest? By taking matters into your own hands? No, by believing God and trusting God with the timing of your life. How do you know you're trusting God with the timing of your life? Because you're not stressed about it, you're resting about it. You're at peace. You're chilling and thrilling like a villain. You're just letting it, letting God organically cause your destiny to evolve. Amen, somebody? See, the way you know you're really believing is are you at rest? Are you at peace? You're confident that your answer is on the way. You know the right people. You have, you'll get the right opportunities. You've already been set up in your future for your future. God has arranged set times in your future. You've prayed. You've given. You've served. You've believed. You've stood in faith. And you will step into that set time of favor. The problem will turn around. The breakthrough will take place. The blessing will be released into your life. Be at rest. Keep believing and watch it happen in Jesus' name. Believe God. Wait for him. And he will do what he's promised. Amen, somebody? Amen. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, King James Version. Habakkuk chapter 2. Verse 3, King James Version. For the vision is yet for the set time, the appointed time. And at the end, it will speak and it won't lie. And even though it tarries, even though it takes a while, wait for it. Because it will absolutely surely come and it will not delay. It won't take longer than it's supposed to take. Listen. It doesn't say it maybe will come. I sure hope it'll come. No, God has set the date, appointed the time, and it's already put on your calendar, and this translation says it won't be one second late. Sometimes we think, everybody's getting ahead of me. All my friends are married. I'm still single. People are being promoted all around me. I'm stuck. 
Listen, stop allowing yourself to slip into discouragement. Your set time is coming. It's not going to be one second late. God knows how to make up for what seems like lost time in your life. The Lord is sometimes unconventional in his methodology, but stop worrying. Run your race. Knows, know who you are and whose you are. Keep honoring God with your time, your talent, your treasure. Keep, bring, keep being the closest thing to Jesus that will that people will see. God will get you to where you're supposed to be. You'll get the promotion, the healing, the person, the breakthrough, the signed contract. It won't be a second late. Welcome to Monday night. See, listen, your loving, capable, heavenly father is not random. He's precise. He's already lined up solutions for you already. You can trust his timing. God has it all figured out for your good. What are you praying for? What are you believing for? It's not going to be one second late. If it hasn't happened yet, it doesn't mean something's wrong. It doesn't mean God is mad at you. It doesn't mean it'll never work out for your good. God has already established the time right down to the split second. You don't have to worry. You don't have to live frustrated. Let's stay at peace. Let's enter into his rest. Let's live by faith. God has you and me in the palm of his mighty hand. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. Last time I checked, a step was one step at a time. It doesn't say the leaps or the laps. It's just the steps. Have you ever noticed? Remember, God told Abraham, he said, listen, I think it's in Genesis 12. He said, go to a place that I'll show you. And I'll make your name great. And everybody who blesses you, I'll bless. Everybody who curses you, I'll curse. And you'll become a father of many nations. He said, but you go and I'll show. That's a weird arrangement. Because I would be like, no, you show and I'll go. No, you go and then as you're going, I will show you where you're going. Well, wait a minute, how do I know where I'm going if you're not showing me where I'm going? He said, well, I'll show you once you go. And you'll go, well, I'll go once you show. And so we stay stuck. And so what do we do? God's like, take a step. We're like, well, there's nothing there. Well, if you take a step, I'll put something under there. Well, if you put something under there, I'll take a step. No, no, take a step. God says, take a step, and I'll put something under there. And then we, we go, no, if you put something under there, I'll take a step. And so you finally go, all right, all right. And you put your foot down, and there's something there. Look, wow, that was awesome. Thank I trust God. Look at me walking by faith. And God's like, okay, another step. Well, show me, show me where I'm going, and I'll take a step. No, 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 take a step, and I'll show you. Take a step. Well, there's nothing there. Well, I'll put something there. Well, no, because it, that's not faith. Faith isn't I put something there and you step on it. Faith is I step and you put something there. That's the walk of faith. And so, so often we want God to show us before we'll go. And God's like, no, I want you to go before you show. Listen, the Bible says, give 
and it shall be given. People say, no, if you give, I'll give. No, God says, no, if you give, then I'll give. If I win the lottery, then I'll give you a big thing. No, you give a big thing, then you win the lottery or something else. You got to trust God and then God responds to trust. Trust is not trust if God does it before we trust him and then we trust him after he does it. We trust him before he does it and then then he'll do it. It's the same with the way we live our life. Keep walking by faith. Well, it doesn't look the way I want it to look. Exactly. It wouldn't be faith if it looked the way you wanted it to look. Amen? Your life is not random. Your life is not vague. God has this thing handled down to the millisecond, down to the most finite, small detail. When we understand this, when we believe this, it takes the pressure off of our living. You stop wondering, when is this going to happen for me? When are you, God, going to answer my prayers? No. When you know and believe that it's been set, you'll have peace. You'll have rest. You'll have confidence. That's what God has promised And what he has promised will come to pass. Here's the prayer we need to pray. God, give me the grace to accept your timing. Not hurry up, Lord. Amen? The Lord loves us too much to deliver us from having to have faith. From having to have trust. From having to have reliance on him. Listen, it takes to faith, it takes faith to say, God, I don't know when you're going to do it, but I trust that you're enough, I trust you enough to believe that you're going to do it. And I'm asking and I'm believing and I know you will do it. The answer is already in my future. The broken system competes with the kingdom of God. The broken system is constantly telling us to take matters into our own hands and the redeemed system is telling us constantly to leave matters in his hands. What do you want to do? I'm almost done. You guys all right? (sighs) See, if there is a right time, then that means there's a wrong time. And if it it has not happened yet in your life, if that prayer hasn't been answered, if that breakthrough hasn't taken place, if that abundance hasn't materialized, if the promise hasn't uh, shown up in your life, listen, it hasn't happened yet because it's not the right time, it's the wrong time. And if we try to get what's right for us at the wrong time, it becomes wrong. God, I trust you with the timing needs to be our prayer. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Two keys to unlock the promise. So that you may not be sluggish. Hebrews 6, 12. So that you may not be sluggish. Be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited God's promise. Let me tell you what patience is. Let me tell you what endurance is. How do you get his promises? Through faith and patience. It's not just faith. 
It's patience. Why do you think we need patience to inherit his promise? Because his promise never happens when we think it needs to happen. And so what's faith? Faith is I'm believing and I'm trusting even though it's not happening when I want it to happen. That's patience. Patience is endurance. This is what endurance means. Endurance is the ability and the capacity to continually bear up under difficult circumstances, not with passive complacency, but with a hopeful fortitude that actively resists weariness and or defeat. It means I keep going. I keep believing and I keep moving and grooving. Well, it hasn't happened yet. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It just means that you're believing, but the other side of the coin is that you have to wait. How do you get the, how do you get the promise? I believe and I'll wait. And I'm not going to get fatigued in my faith. I'm not going to grow weary in well-doing because I will get my harvest if I don't faint. When do we faint? Not because we ran out of faith. We feel like we're running out of time. Our faith doesn't fall apart. Our patience does. We can't continually bearing up under the delay when it's not a delay at all. The Bible says, though it wait, though you, though it tarry, wait for it because it won't delay. In God's timing, there's no delay. In our timing, there is a need to tarry. So there's a delay in our mind, but not in God's mind. Listen, you got to go out of your mind into his mind. You want stability in your life? This is how you do it. You want ability to keep going and possess promise? This is how you do it. You want to see your life become everything that you know God has promised you and he's given you a glimpse of what your life is supposed to look like? This is how you do it. This is how you do it. (laughs) This is how you do it. You don't make it happen. If it's going to be, it's up to me. No, if it's going to be, it's up to thee. And the me part is waiting for the thee part to do what only thee can do. Ah. Listen, I'm trusting God with the timing that needs to be what we say. I'm not only believing for big things, I'm trusting with the timing. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I know my set time is in my future. I'm going to get what my faith and patience has, has set me up to get. God very rarely takes us on the shortest route to his promises. He's always going the long way around. He's working all things together, including the Christ-like character that's necessary for us to be who God has called us to be. So we don't blow it. So we don't mismanage the promise that we waited so long to get. If it's not happening on our timetable, let's remind ourselves that God knows what he's doing. He has our best interests at heart, and the delay has a good reason behind it. Let's stop trying to figure it out and try to figure it all out and start uh, and, and be all frustrated. Let's trust and rest. 
Let's leave our times in God's hands. Let's delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us whatever he has deposited in our heart at the right time. We've got to align ourselves with God's plan, with God's purpose. That plays this huge part in what I'm talking about elevate, uh, uh, operating in our life. Amen? There's a big difference between God giving you something and us having to work to make it happen. God wants to give it to you. You work on trusting, don't work on getting. When we try to force things, we're not waiting for God. When it's a constant struggle, when it's a burden we can't carry, we can't get off the ground. But if we'll let God do it his way in his time, there's going to be a supernatural grace and ease. Yes, we'll have opposition. Yes, contrary winds will blow. But you'll feel this strength. You'll feel a peace. You'll feel God's favor supernaturally moving you forward. Timing is everything. God will open the doors for you. We might have to knock. But, and, and we may have to press for our dream, but we don't have to force it. We press past the temptation to take matters into our own hands. If we're full of faith and we're full of patience, God will give us the desires of our heart in his time. Stop striving. Psalm 46.10, cease from striving and know that I am God. It's the easiest way to obtain the promises. Stop striving. Mm. I think I've said enough about this. Doesn't the Bible say that Jesus said, everyone, he said, knock and it shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given for everyone. Everyone. Everybody say everyone. He said, everyone who knocks, it's open. Everyone. It doesn't, just, it doesn't open for people who kick the door down. That's not opening the door. You knock. Preacher, I've been knocking. I got bloody knuckles. Change hands then. Keep knocking. It doesn't mean you knock once. You keep knocking. You keep believing. To everyone who asks, it shall be given. It doesn't say it might be given. Jesus said every single person who asks gets what they're asking for. It's not a one and done ask. You keep asking until you get it. Everyone who seeks finds. Doesn't say you look once and it's over with. You keep looking until you find what you're looking for. I'm telling you, if you, can, you and I can live like this, if you and I can get this, if you and I can step into this, your life will radically change. You'll just start having peace. Like, oh, okay. God, you got me. Is there someone here that can play the piano? That lady here? Gracias. Orale pues. Latina.
Jesus Cristo is el queso grande. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's my Spanish preaching. Okay. So listen. Before I leave, I want you to leave him with what you want. What you're knocking about. What you're asking for. What you're looking for. In your business. In your future. In your relationships. What you want your life to look like. <coughs> I was 17 years old. It was my freshman year at Mount San Antonio College. I was this little wild man. I had an afro and an attitude. I'm not kidding. Remind me to show you the picture of me at 17 with an afro. And this beard. That, and people are just scared of me. And I try to tell them about Jesus, you know, with this afro. And they're like, okay, okay. I'll come to Jesus. Go away. You know, anyway. And I was this little skinny kid. I weighed 110 pounds. And I'm walking with Nancy Masmanian, who was the daughter of the baseball coach at the college. And we're walking to our psychology class at the 101 building. No, at it was Psychology 101 at the 26th building at Mount San Antonio College. Not that you care, but, and I'm walking with her and I get this vision. I'll never forget where I was. It's like God opened a curtain and I saw myself standing on a platform with a sea of dark-faced young people. And I was preaching. And I saw it, and then God closed the curtain. And I looked at Nancy Masmanian. I said, God just called me into the ministry. I'm going to be a youth pastor. I just had a vision. Can you imagine? We're going to class. Here's this guy with the afro getting visions on his way to school. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, Steve Hage. I said, no, I'm doing it. I am doing it. You know how God works? He'll show you something. Close the curtain and put you in school. And you'll ask him to show it to you again, but he never will. Because if you don't believe it the first time, you're not going to believe it the second time. And real faith is when you see your life and then it's gone. And then God says, can you believe me for it? And I'm a ghetto kid. I got no pedigree. I don't think anyone ever prayed for me. I was stealing cars when I was 13 years old. I went to jail. They put me in jail when I was 13 for throwing Molotov cocktails. It's a gang member. I fought every day of my life. I've been in over 100 fights. 
only lost one of them because I thought I could beat up a state champion wrestler that weighed 185, I weighed 110. He's like, boom, that was that. no business believing that I could ever get out of poverty that I would ever count for anything that God could ever use me to do anything ever and he opens the curtain and shows me a sea of teenagers with me preaching shuts the curtain I don't know how many years later but how many of you guys know who MC Hammer is you know the too, le- too legit to quit guy it's hammer time me and him get this harebrained idea to go do a youth crusade in Bombay India he's like I'll do the music man you can preach dog set the thing up MTV says we'll televise it all over Europe and Asia 300 million people watched me preach MC Hammer sing the first night 20,000 people there 20,000 kids the largest youth crusade known in history before that was about 12,000 kids we had 20,000 on the first night second night four nights second night 40,000 fifth night or third night 80,000 a sea of brown faces with me with a microphone the last night I want you to think about this 125,000 teenagers in Bombay, India live How many people does the Michigan State football stadium hold? 115? 115,000, did you say? Who said that? 115? Fill that stadium up with teenagers plus 5,000 more. Give me a microphone. That's what happened. Same guy that's got a microphone in front of you tonight was that guy and there it was and I couldn't believe that I was standing up here and I said to myself I've seen this before when I was 17 years old walking with Nancy Masmanian telling me the ministry's hard I'm some ghetto kid that grew up on food stamps and government cheese and government peanut butter. 
And there I was. I never forced it, but it happened. What's your dream? You think I'm special? I grew up with an angry dad with no money, abandonment issues, insecurities, five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. I'll say one more thing and then I want to ask you about something. How many of you guys know who Jim Brown is, the famous football player? You guys know who that is? So we got invited to speak. He got invited to speak after an NBA game that Golden State Warriors playing the Portland Trailblazers. And they asked Jim Brown to come and talk to the crowd after the game. And Jim Brown calls me because of the work that I've done with young people. He said, I want you to open for me, Hage. At an NBA arena? You want me to go to the game? talk to the crowd he goes I want you to open for me about two months before he asked me to do that we were having dinner strategizing something for the inner city urban youth and this is what he said to me he said Steve I was sitting right next to him we're at this table with all these people he said you're five foot nothing a hundred and nothing you look like nothing and then you open your mouth he said and then you have everyone's attention he goes I want you with me every time I'm in his proximity he wants me right next to him why not because I'm a big dominating intimidating figure I'm like a figurine somebody told me one time you're an ordained miniature not an ordained minister I didn't care I'm like I have more money than you shut up (laughs) anyway anyway true story anyway I think God did cool stuff with me so you don't have excuses man so you don't look at your family tree and go I ain't got a chance I can't be great I'll be the first person in my family that's great. A lot of good things, a lot of good folk in your family. How many great people that have done, that are world changers, history makers? Why not you? I had less chance than you do because you're in church listening to a guy like me. I never was in church. How about you? Grinding it out, trying to make it every day, getting up, wishing the day would end. It's time to go back and dream. people you 
how to encourage people. Maybe you don't say it, but you see it. Why don't you start dreaming? Give God the life you have now and pick up the life that he wants to give you. And it's big. And you got courage in there. And your mistakes are not in your way. Pastor, you don't know. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the mis- You don't know the choices. You don't know. Yeah, I do. And compared to what God is calling you to do, it's like a pepper flake on an elephant's butt. see you, I want you to be like, Pastor, Hannah is running things. You be encouraged. And don't go back to those destructive patterns. There's nothing back there and no one back there for you. Your future is in front of you. It's time to unhinge that U-Haul that's got an outhouse sloshing around in it that you pull around with you everywhere you go. They're like, what is it? Man, who's here? Smells like Hannah's here. Unhinge that thing and give it to the devil. And pick up destiny. Man, God loves you. in the mirror it might take a couple minutes because you're like your hair and your bedhead and you're like but as soon as you can look at yourself I want you to say that over yourself Hannah you're beautiful you're enough and you're getting wins today every single day write it down get a tattoo <laughs> and then underneath go Pastor Steve like I said <laughs> man you got this okay let me talk to you about something you ready you good I'm not going to get my feelings hurt no matter what I'm a busy dude like super busy like I'm supposed to be in Houston in the next couple days for five days doing this in Houston at a church that has 4,000 seats in its auditorium but if you want me to it's going to cost you but if you want me to we can do this
this tomorrow night if you want to. Now hold on, hold on, don't clap. Don't clap. Clapping's cheap. We gotta pay for my flights to change. I gotta move a bunch of stuff around. It's taken a whole nother day away from my church. But if you want, and you promise me you'll come, and you promise me you'll give, I promise you I'll come, and I'll give you something, something more. I definitely have something I could say. Trust me, I never run out of stuff to say. I just run out of time. And I'll give myself to prayer and to the Holy Spirit tomorrow. And we'll do this again at 7 o'clock. But you got to promise me that you'll be here. Because I'm not going to preach to three people. And be away from my family and away from my church. And moving the ball in Laguna Beach, California. But I'm willing to stay. Me and Pastor talked about this last night. We talked about it this afternoon. Helen came in. She said, people are asking you to stay over. They're calling the office. I called my wife. She said, do it. So if I come tomorrow night, how many of you will come tomorrow night? Raise your hand. Let me see. Seven o'clock. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. I'll be here mañana at siete o'clock. Whatever that means. Amen. Let me pray for you very quickly. Praise the Lord. You're doing great. Miha. Let me pray for you. Put your hand over your heart. Whatever you're frustrated with, whatever you feel like there's a delay going on in your life, whatever you're anxious about, worried about, stressing about, not resting about, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. There's trouble in your heart. been believing God for that young person for God to do something in your husband so many wives are believing God for their husband you're believing God for your wife you're believing God for your future your finances your fears your struggles everybody's needing something tonight Bible says that your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask him I'm not minimizing your need I want to maximize your trust now will you ask God to give you the grace to trust just between you and him you're trusting him with the timing you're trusting him with the result trusting him with how it's going to turn out 
and it will be exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think. You got to ask and you got to think, but it'll just be bigger than that. Give God something to work with. Ask him to bring your prodigal home. Ask him to double your business. Ask him to heal your relationships. Ask him to heal your body. Ask him to enable you to give to the house of God the way you really want to. Where pastor opens the envelope and his, his mind is blown because of how generous you were able to be because of how good God has been. Now don't stop asking. Don't stop knocking. Don't stop seeking. Father, I pray you fill every heart with the trust of God and the trust in God. Jesus, you said, have God-like faith. I pray that God-like faith would well up in this house and in this people on this night. Open doors, answer prayers. Let people find the lost things. And Lord, tomorrow night, bring us back for power. Lord, I pray that a prophetic anointing would fall on this place and that people will get encouraged and consoled and blessed in a big way. Speak to me on what is on your heart to say to these precious, magnificent, awesome Holland, Michigan people. Lord, I'm a servant to your people. I'm a glove on your hand. Now do great and mighty things that we know not in the lives of every person in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen and amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap as pastor comes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be here. I'm going to change that bad boy.